reclaim control of the White House. The students of Grover Cleveland Charter would never let adversity stand in the way of their dreams. He did not mention that the school's board of directors had wanted to name the school after a better regarded president, but all the really good ones had already been taken. More speakers filtered to the counselor's office, help themselves to bagels and cream cheese, mingle with the teachers. Some of the speakers are students' parents, some are teachers' spouses, some are neighbors or friends or children or former students or significant others. Mercedes Sandoval, whose career is in promotional modeling, is the daughter of Mrs. Sandoval, the drama teacher. Lucky Galvez, whose career is in food service, graduated from Grover Cleveland in 2004. Mickey Pisano, whose career is in professional speaking, drunkenly made out with Ms. Whitlock, the sixth grade language arts teacher, in the backseat of a taxi cab last weekend. Crazy Donnie just sold the school counselor a pre-owned Oldsmobile Cutlass. In the main office, Miss Yenny receives a call from the school's principal, Mrs. De La Vega. Mrs. De La Vega is Grover Cleveland's fourth principal in seven years and is conspicuously absent from career day. Miss Yenny transfers the call to the principal's voicemail. Turnpike is a cluster. Mrs. De La Vega texts to Miss White, the assistant principal. Miss White, who rollerblades to work, is generally unaffected by problem traffic. Ten minutes before the morning bell, the cinnamon raisin bagels have vanished. There are only three egg bagels left, two multigrain, and one poppy seed. Both Hector Villablanca and Crazy Donnie eye the lone poppy seed wantonly, waiting for the other to make the first move. Bill Hitchcock, whose career is in manufacturing, chats with Mr. Herrera, the seventh grade math teacher. For Bill Hitchcock, career day is bittersweet. He was laid off over the weekend. Robots and Chinese, says Bill Hitchcock to Mr. Herrera. They make your pencils, your pens, your calculators, your protractors, your textbooks. Maybe, says Mr. Herrera, but they don't write our textbooks. Just you wait, says Bill Hitchcock. Just you wait. Meanwhile, in the main office, volunteer speaker Moose Brickley arrives. Miss Yinny hands Moose a visitor's ID, which he promptly puts in his mouth. No, mister, says Miss Yinny, who then demonstrates that the ID goes on his shirt. It's okay, says Moose Brickley, after spitting out the ID. My career is in putting things into my mouth. Outside, students listen to hip-hop, R&B, and reggaeton on their iPods and cell phones. Bus drivers tap friendly, commiserative honks at each other. Late-arriving teachers and speakers find the staff parking lot completely full, save for the spaces inexplicably blocked off by the orange cones. The teachers and speakers circle the parking lot again and again, staring at the cones. What are they for? What do they mean? After five minutes of circling, Tony Franco, whose career is in film and television, exits his car, moves the cones aside, and parks, and the other circlers, gracious, follow suit, gleefully leaping from their vehicles, tossing the cones to the grass, and claiming what is rightfully theirs. The only exception is Ms. Lee, the 8th grade social studies teacher, who, after agonizing for several minutes over the ethics of moving the cones, abandons the school lot and parks five blocks away, certain that, with the cones displaced, something terrible is about to happen. Riding on my motorbike, cruising through the traffic lights. Rolling down the avenue, there's something that I gotta do.
Good morning, Grover Cleveland Middle. Due to popular demand, we will forgo our Pledge of Allegiance. Today is October the 27th. It is the 213th day of the year. There are 141 days remaining in the year. It is the 674th day of the presidency of Barack Obama. He has 849 days remaining in his term. Today's weather will be sunny with a high of 85 degrees Fahrenheit and a 10% chance of precipitation, the highest chance of precipitation coming in the middle of the afternoon. That is all. Good day. Five minutes before the morning bell, the teachers return to their classrooms. Some carry armfuls of leftover bagels. Others are more careful about their carbohydrate intake. Mrs. Jackson, the school counselor, thanks all of the volunteer speakers for donating their time and announces everyone's room assignments. Doug the Magnificent turns the last poppy seed bagel into a brightly colored silk scarf and everyone, except for Hector Villablanca and Crazy Donnie, applauds. In the main office, a parent tells Miss Yenny that she has a meeting with the principal. Miss Yenny tells the parent to please take a seat. Mrs. De La Vega will be with her any minute. Ms. Lee texts Miss White to let her know that she's running late. She had to park five blocks away and is wearing heels for career day. Ms. White is wearing comfortable flats. She stores her rollerblades beneath her desk. In the cafeteria, the Cuban women finish serving breakfast and begin preparing lunch. Today's lunch is Salisbury steak with mixed vegetables and a pudding cup. Coach Steinhauer, the PE teacher, is on morning cafeteria duty and shouts half-heartedly through a megaphone. It is not possible to discern what he is saying. The students are loud and the megaphone is out with batteries. Many of the volunteer speakers are career day veterans, but for some, this is their first time speaking in front of a class of adolescents. Mercedes Sandoval, one of the rookies, is nervous. Her mother said that at last year's career day, the students stole an architect's model of a mixed-use office retail center and taped an I'm gay sign onto a PhD candidate in English literature's back. The key is confidence, says Inez Santamaria. Grab their attention, engage their interest, dictate their behavior. The key is a steel will, says Hector Villablanca. They're like wild hyenas. They devour the weak, the sick, and the lame. The key is a sense of humor, says Sheila Kravitz, and a small ego, and a short memory, and good peripheral vision. Those little punks can't scare me, says Bill Hitchcock. In 25 years, they'll be mere puppets of the robots and the Chinese. Before the morning bell, Mr. Ben, the school custodian, roams the halls. He picks up stray candy wrappers, polishes the first floor display case, greets teachers, dispenses wisdom, cracks wise, herds students into the cafeteria, diffuses violence, administers justice. Why, Ms. Whitlock, says Mr. Ben, aren't you just a ray of sunshine this October morning? Devante Jackson, just where do you think you're going? Oye, chicos, la cafeteria, andale, andale. Detavious Marshall, you help that Peterson boy out of that trash can right now, you hear me? Shayla, Lassero, save that for when you're 18. What's a good word, Coach Steinhauer? Don't you try me, LaShondra Jenkins. Chicas, vete, vete. 
Why, Miss Dario, aren't you just a sunflower caressed by the morning dew? Meanwhile, in the main office, Ms. White conducts a brief disciplinary meeting with 6th grader Marcus Hosley. Marcus, after only two months at Grover Cleveland, has already become a familiar face in the principal's and assistant principal's offices. Today, he has been referred to the office by Spanish teacher Senora Valenzuela for throwing a box of Commander Yum cereal at a fellow classmate's face. Now, Marcus, why did you throw a cereal box at Tavares, says Ms. White. Because Tavares play too much, says Marcus Hosley. I believe that, says Ms. White. But don't you think that maybe there was a more effective way of dealing with Tavares' behavior than hitting him with a box of Commander Yum cereal? I ain't throw no Commander Yum! Well, Senora Valenzuela wrote down here, Ooh, she lie! It was Fruitios! Ms. White makes a note on the office referral form. She crosses out Commander Yum, writes Fruitios above, and appends her initials. Her phone vibrates, a text from Mrs. De La Vega, turnpike not moving, lots of helicopters, people behind me keeps honking, hope all is well. There's a knock on Ms. White's door. Mrs. Dukowski appears, her right fist tightly clenched around a seventh grade boy's uniform collar. Got another one for you, says Mrs. Dukowski. A young Michelangelo. You'll never guess what he drew on my classroom door with McDonald's ketchup packets. Ms. White glances at the clock. 7.17 a.m. She sighs. Officially, her day has not yet even begun. I'll steal the thoughts in your head I'll take the world from your bed I'll change all the things that you thought must be true And animals apologize Cause you know they realize that if they don't They're not gonna get any food You know I trust you to see All the potential in me And of all the places to be Come back here eventually. I think we're in love. I think we're in love. I think we're in love. No way. No, I think we're in love. I think we're in love. I think we're in love. No way. No, I think we're in love. I think we're in love. I think we're in love. morning students remember today is career day so let's give all our presenters the utmost respect and not have a repeat of last year in this morning's announcements taco tuesday has become sloppy joe wednesday empanada friday will occur only during the waning portion of the lunar cycle Tonight's dance at 5.30 will continue as scheduled. That is all. Good day. disperse to their assigned rooms. Inez Santa Maria is assigned to room 307. Bob Woodfield is assigned to room 205. Lucky Galvez is assigned to room 310, which is a custodial closet. Mrs. Jackson, who is not good with numbers, meant to write room 301. En route, the speakers chat, joke, flirt, exchange business cards, size each other up. That's a nice font, says Lily Thompson, studying Mickey Pisano's business card. What is that, Helvetica New Ultralight? 
How's the nonprofit sector? Says Hector Villablanca to Sheila Kravitz. Fine, says Sheila Kravitz. How's wastewater management? Here, this is my personal cell number, says Tony Franco to Mercedes Sandoval, writing on the back of his card. What do you mind doing the Who's the Boss movie? $90 million budget. 3D. Tony Danza's on board. Looking for a fresh new face to play the love interest. Well, I started putting things into my mouth recreationally, says Moose Brickley to Inez Santa Maria. But it wasn't until last year that I decided to pursue putting things into my mouth as a profession. flood into the hallway from outside and from the cafeteria. The noise is extraordinary. Laughter, footsteps, high fives, hip-hop, hooting, howling, hollering, but no clanging of lockers. There are no lockers at Grover Cleveland Charter Middle. The CEO of SOAR USA Schools feels that lockers breed violence, mischief, criminality, and depravity. His half-hour lecture, The Real Hurt Lockers, A Crisis in America's Schools, has made the CEO a highly sought-after figure on the educational speaking circuit. In the classrooms, the speakers, if they have not already done so in the counselor's room, introduce themselves to the teachers. Moose Brickley shakes hands with Mrs. Smith, the seventh grade social studies teacher, in room 202. Tony Franco kisses the cheek of Ms. Rojas, the sixth grade science teacher, in room 104. In room 204, Hector Villablanca exchanges pleasantries with Ms. Silva, the seventh grade science teacher, and then frowns at her overhead projector. At Robert F. Kennedy Elementary's career day, they provided me with a digital projector, says Hector Villablanca. Ms. Silva apologizes for her room's lack of cutting-edge audiovisual equipment. Well, there goes my PowerPoint, grumbles Hector Villablanca. Wastewater management and you. Outside, Ms. Lee, who has removed her heels and is jogging to school barefoot, is one block away from Grover Cleveland's entrance. It's warm for late October, high 80s, and Ms. Lee's face and underarms are drenched with sweat. Cars honk and homeless men heckle her as she power walks past. Hey, Shoeless Joe Jackson, where's the finish line? Slow down, shawty. That's right, work it, mama. Tone that ass. Ms. White texted her not to worry. Mr. Ben would look after her class. The principal wasn't even at school yet, but Ms. Lee is still ashamed of her tardiness. Her students all know she is a stickler for punctuality. Inside, the students trickle to the classrooms. In some classes, the student's arrival fills the room with noise, hormones, and chaos. In others, it merely adds mass, silent bodies. Some teachers have long ago given in to adolescent entropy. Others, until the day they die, will tolerate no fools. One teacher who tolerates no fools is Mrs. Washington, the sixth grade math teacher. Her students file in wordlessly, take their seats, and commence work on the morning bell ringer written on the whiteboard, which says, today is career day. Write down three careers you would like to have and why. Wow, says Lily Thompson, watching Mrs. Washington's class silently scribble in their composition books. Your students are so disciplined. Child, says Mrs. Washington, all my babies know. If they try me, I will slap them into next Tuesday. Next door, room 105, is another story. Students blare top 40 pop and hip hop on their phones, chase each other over and around desks, throw pens, pencils, paper airplanes, kneaded erasers, containers of whiteout, lizards both alive and dead, curse in three different languages, booty dance, get to second base behind a pull-down world map. Sheila Kravitz, unfazed, writes her name and email address in cursive on the whiteboard, ducks a paper airplane, 
and then writes Careers in the Nonprofit Sector. Mrs. Del Rio, the sixth grade social studies teacher, shakes her head. Oh my God, says Mrs. Del Rio, you are such a saint. I could never work for free. Elsewhere, the classes generally settle into a midway point between tranquility and madness. In room 201, Crazy Donnie endears himself to students by passing out free raffle tickets to win a 2011 Chevy Malibu. In room 203, Mercedes Sandoval's low-cut blouse immediately captures the undivided attention of all the 7th grade boys. In room 302, Doug the Magnificent asks Miss Shepard, the 8th grade math teacher, if she would mind changing into a sequined outfit and helping him get a coffin-sized wooden box onto the elevator. Mrs. Jackson said you were going to talk about tax accounting, says Miss Shepard. Oh, I am, says Doug the Magnificent. What are you, a size two? I have the perfect outfit for you. Don't mind the scorch marks. I'll turn the lights down low. The kids will never notice. Then, suddenly, the lights on the second and third floors go out. Mr. Ben calls the main office on his walkie-talkie. Speakers clutch their purses and laptops tightly, concerned. Teachers flip their light switches fruitlessly. Doug the Magnificent absolves himself of responsibility. Students clap, hoot, and scream. Class, says Miss Shepard. Class, class, class. You, O oh Lord, keep my lamp burning, says Mrs. Smith, closing her eyes. My God turns my darkness into light. Come on, guys, says Mr. Herrera. Seriously, Juan, Mark, Zaquan, Tamisha, you're in seventh grade now. Let's all show our guests today that we are mature young men and women. Lots of smoke now on the turnpike, texts Mrs. De La Vega to Ms. White. More helicopters. Pole keeps honking. I swore I just saw a loose giraffe. This is my personal cell number, says Tony Franco to Ms. Rojas. Call me if you ever need anything. You know, for the kids. Goddamn robots, says Bill Hitchcock. Goddamn Chinese. Students tire of running around their classrooms and screaming, and Ms. White, alerted by Mr. Ben about the outage over the walkie-talkie, makes an announcement on the school intercom with customary composure and grace. Good morning, Grover Cleveland, says Ms. White. It's a beautiful day today. In fact, it's such a beautiful day. Let's celebrate that beauty by opening the blinds and letting the sun's rays illuminate a glorious day of discovery and learning. 
Speakers on the second and third floors requiring electricity for their presentations, please see Mrs. Jackson in room 303 about being relocated to the first floor. That's all for now, Wildcats. Let's all make today another amazing and successful Grover Cleveland Day. As Ms. White signs off, Ms. Lee finally makes it into the school and runs up the stairs to the third floor, still shoeless. She wonders why the lights are off in the stairwell. She assumes it has something to do with budget cuts. She reaches her classroom, room 301, and relieves Mr. Ben, who has been telling her students about the time he worked as an airboat captain in the Everglades and rescued now Florida Auditor General David W. Martin from the jaws of an alligator. Thanks, Mr. Ben, says Ms. Lee, wheezing, her body coated with sweat. Why, Ms. Lee, says Mr. Ben, aren't you just the sugar in a thirsty man's tea? On the first floor, with the electricity working, the school day proceeds as normal. The teachers take attendance, the speakers write their names on the board, the students work on their bell ringers until the morning announcements. In room 103, Lily Thompson writes on the whiteboard the nine keys to brand management. In room 105, Sheila Kravitz shows Mrs. Del Rio her most recent bi-monthly pay stub in an attempt to prove that nonprofit employees don't actually work for free. In room 106, Ms. Whitlock asks Mickey Pisano if they can talk about what happened in the taxi cab last weekend, and Mickey says, not now, he has to get in the zone for his presentation. In room 104, Tony Franco writes, Tony Franco, Hollywood script doctor, on the whiteboard, as well as several adulatory blurbs. Tony Franco has an unerring ear for dialogue. Max Pinewood, director, Malibu Sorority Secrets. When my screenplay needs a punch-up, Tony's the first guy I call. Russ Harvey, co-writer, I can't go for that, no can do, the true story of Hall & Oates. Tony is a genius. He's the Dostoevsky of the family-friendly action-adventure buddy holiday comedy. John Ellery, co-director, Chippendale and the True Meaning of Christmas. Tony Franco's wit, intelligence, sensitivity, and pathos are unparalleled. He is one of Hollywood's hidden treasures. Rob Schneider, writer, director, producer. Rob Schneider's Who's Afraid of Virginia Woolf 2. Meanwhile, on the upper floors, the speakers who have prepared PowerPoint presentations or slideshows or videos head to the counselor's office, as directed by Ms. White over the intercom. Bob Woodfield leaves, as does Inez Santamaria, as does Crazy Donnie. In room 310, the custodial closet, there are no windows, so Lucky Galvez can't see a thing. This might have bothered the other speakers, but not Lucky Galvez. Lucky hotboxed his Honda Civic in the staff parking lot earlier this morning, and he is now unbelievably high. office, Ms. White returns to her second disciplinary meeting of the day. Marcus Hosley has been sent back to class. In his place is 7th grader Rigoberto Estrada, who last year set off the school fire alarm while burning his entire class's mid-quarter progress reports in the first floor boys' bathroom. Miss, says Rigoberto, can I go now? Not yet, honey, says Ms. White. First, we need to discuss what you drew on Mrs. Dukowski's door. Ah, but I ain't. Now, Rigoberto, the human body is nothing to be ashamed of. That being said, there are parts of the human body that do not belong on a middle school educator's door, especially when drawn with ketchup, which attracts cockroaches and ants. But Miss I... Rigoberto, artistic ability and creativity are true gifts, and you should be proud of your blossoming talent. I certainly hope that I and the rest of the staff at Grover Cleveland can help nurture your talents and foster a lifelong passion for the arts. But Miss I... At the same time, art is a powerful force. It can provoke strong emotions, both good and bad. 
I believe the true artist is one who is cognizant of this power and strives to- Okay, miss, I won't draw no more dicks and no more doors. Miss White's phone vibrates. It's another text from Mrs. De La Vega. Definitely a herd of giraffes going southbound. Traffic stopped dead. Smell of burning tires. Rumors of baboons. Hope all is well. Smiley face. Ms. White puts down her phone and glances out the window at a pair of birds flying freely from branch to branch. The birds in constant song. Okay, Rigoberto, says Ms. White, rubbing her temples. You can go now. Rigoberto leaps out of his chair and scampers off to class. Mies why? Mies why? says Ms. Yenny from the front desk. Fon for you. Ms. White, ignoring Ms. Yenny, keeps staring out her window at the birds longingly. It is truly a beautiful day. Teachers and students, we are aware in the main office that there are intermittent screeching noises coming from some of the intercoms on the first floor. We apologize for the inconvenience and are trying to attend to the problem as quickly as possible. Please disregard the screeching noises and continue with learning. Thank you very much and have a great afternoon.
drums amid a high-pitched squeal. It is time for morning announcements. The announcements are read, haltingly, by three 8th grade girls who inform their classmates of today's lunch menu, today's educational focus, the cancellation of chess club this afternoon, the sale of pickled eggs and hot sausages in room 202 to raise money for a school library. Meanwhile, Mr. Ben, discharged from supervising Ms. Lee's 8th graders, hustles to the school utility room on the second floor to see if a blown fuse is responsible for the power outage, and on the way, Ms. White calls him over the walkie-talkie. Mr. Ben, over. Why, Ms. White, says Mr. Ben, to what do I owe the pleasure? Over. Clean up on Mrs. Dukowski's door, ASAP. Over. For you, Ms. White? says Mr. Ben, skipping steps down the stairwell. I would squeegee the moon and the stars. Over. Thanks, Mr. Ben. You're a king among men. Over, says Ms. White, just as Mr. Ben reaches Mrs. Dukowski's door. Lord, says Mr. Ben to himself as he studies Rigoberto Estrada's catch-up masterpiece. Well, ain't that something? King among men indeed. Hoo-wee. Reckon I'm gonna need the mop. Career Day presentations commence. Introductions, PowerPoint presentations, preliminary Q&As, shows of hands. In room 104, Tony Franco shows Ms. Rojas' students a reel of films he has worked on. Skateboard, Commando, High School, Astronaut, Godzilla vs. Al-Qaeda, The Karate Kid, 3D. In the clip for Godzilla vs. Al-Qaeda, Jennifer Lopez, portraying a brilliant and seductive U.S. military scientist, sheds a burqa to belly dance for Osama bin Laden in her underwear. The sixth grader's eyes light up. You know Jennifer Lopez? says a student. No, says Tony Franco. You know Will Smith? says another student. No. You know Osama bin Laden? No, that's just an actor. And you know him? No, I'm a writer. I... You know Dave Chappelle? No. LeBron James? He's not... He's not acting now, is he? Says Tony Franco. You know Beyonce? No. The Rock? No. Hannah Montana? I I sat next to Billy Ray Cyrus once on an airplane. The students and Ms. Rojas look disappointed. Like I said, I'm a script doctor, a writer, says Tony Franco, and there's an old saying in my business, the writer is God. Now, I may not get to walk on the red carpet, rub elbows with the stars, and endorse clothing lines and hair products appear on the screen, but every word that comes out of Jennifer Lopez's lips, well, not every word, but... See, as a script doctor, my job is more to, um... Okay, how many of you have seen High School Astronaut? All but two students raise their hands. So, you remember the scene in High School Astronaut when Selena Gomez is trying to convince the uptight head of NASA to send her on a one-woman mission to Mars? And he says, but you haven't even graduated high school. And she says, so? It's not like it's rocket science. A few of the students nod. The others stare at Tony Franco blankly. Yeah, I wrote that, says Tony Franco, grinning. That was me. On the upper floors, even without electricity, a handful of the presentations continue as scheduled. Doug the Magnificent requires no electricity, nor does Mercedes Sandoval, nor does Bill Hitchcock, nor does Moose Brickley. Mercedes Sandoval requires only a tote bag full of ads featuring her promotional modeling. Bill Hitchcock requires only a visceral anger against robots and the Chinese. Moose Brickley requires only things to put into his mouth, paper clips, post-it notes, dry erase markers, hall passes, office referral forms, the author's foreword to the third edition of the social studies textbook, Our Government. 
Doug the Magnificent requires only magic, and a sequined assistant, and a coffin-sized wooden box, which Ms. Shepard says will now have to be carried up the stairs as the elevator is no longer in service. In room 301, Ms. Lee, having finally caught her breath from her sprint up the stairs, wonders where her assigned speaker is. She calls the counselor, Mrs. Jackson, on her class phone, extension 2278. Ms. Lee memorized all of the school's phone extensions during her first week of training. Let's see, 301. That should be Lucky Galvez, says Mrs. Jackson. He was here this morning, ate like seven cinnamon swirl bagels. I'll see if I can track him down. Meanwhile, in the custodial closet, Lucky Galvez lies flat on his back in total darkness. He chews the last of the cinnamon swirl bagels. His face is covered with strawberry cream cheese. Lucky was apprehensive about career day at first. What the hell did he, a cashier at Cornbread Circus, possibly have to say to a bunch of middle schoolers that would inspire them to seek a career in food service? But so far, everything's gone smoothly. Career day? I had you pegged all wrong, he thinks, lying on the floor in the custodial closet. Career day? You're pretty chill. Career day? You're alright. Two floors below, the bust of Grover Cleveland surveys the first floor hallway, sagely. Career day, thinks Lucky Galvez, amid the shelves of stain remover, paint thinner, disinfectant. Career day, you're okay. facilities if accessible the women's restroom on the easterly side does remain open though as always caution is advised that is all good day Rooms. A sixth grader is the first to report the irregularities. The sinks are backed up. Some overflow onto the tile floor. The water in the toilets bubbles and froths. There is a weird chemical smell, the smell of urinal cakes mixed with noxious gas. Ms. White makes an announcement on the intercom. Teachers, pardon the interruption. Use of all restrooms should be discontinued at this time. We are working diligently to restore the bathrooms to working order and will inform you when they are safe for students and staff to use. Our apologies for any inconvenience this may cause. Please continue to enjoy an educational and productive day. 
After finishing her announcement, Ms. White is ambushed by Miss Yenny, who reminds Ms. White that the parent waiting to speak with the principal has been waiting outside the office for over 30 minutes. Ms. White calls Mrs. De La Vega to get an estimated time of arrival, but her call goes straight to voicemail. Miss Yenny, says Ms. White, when you drove to school this morning, was there anything on the radio about a herd of giraffes on the turnpike? Miss Yenny shakes her head. Giraffes? No, no, miss. Or any other animal, says Ms. White. Maybe baboons? Why is this baboons? They're like monkeys, says Ms. White. A big, mean type of monkey. Or a cousin of monkeys. I've never been clear on this. They're... Seriously, you've, you've never heard of baboons? Mees, you are so funny, says Miss Yenny. Outside the office, a banner reading, Welcome, Career Day Presenters, has been torn down from the wall by roving students. Flyers advertising a fundraiser for the school's learning club have been adorned with curse words and phalluses. The word clitoris, misspelled, has been etched into the chair on which the waiting parent sits. Ms. White sighs. When she was a little girl, she wanted to be a ballerina. Ms. White, says Coach Steinhauer, entering the office. So it's my planning period right now, and the bathroom's here all wonky, and I ate Mexican last night, so uh, I'm going to be across the street at Burger King for a bit, all right? Okay, Coach, says Ms. White. She still has her old ballet shoes somewhere. Plié, jeté, pas de chat, rond de jambes, arabesque. Coach Steinhauer sprints out of the office, his whistle swinging from side to side around his neck. When Coach Steinhauer was a little boy, he wanted to be an NFL quarterback. Miss Yenny wanted to be Miss Puerto Rico. Last year, she saw the real Miss Puerto Rico in a shopping mall and got in a fight with her boyfriend Chavi after he kept staring at the real Miss Puerto Rico's ass. On the first floor, some career day presentations are in full swing, while others are just getting started. Mrs. Jackson has reassigned all second and third floor speakers requiring electricity to the cafeteria, and the cafeteria is now full of rowdy, restless seventh and eighth graders paying little attention to the four simultaneous PowerPoint presentations being projected onto the cafeteria's walls. Okay, settle down, everybody, says Bob Woodfield. We're running behind as it is, and I want to make sure we all get through the entire food stamp application. Okay, show of hands, says Inez Santa Maria. Who here has ever considered career advising as a career? At W. Somerset Mom Elementary's career day, there was electricity on all three floors, grumbles Hector Villablanca. $1,000 cash back on all 2011 Chevy Silverado through the month of October, says Crazy Donnie. 1.9% APR financing for up to 48 months. 2.9% APR financing for up to 60 months. Think these deals are too good to be true? Think again, Somerset Chris Plank. Mickey Pisano is encountering similar student apathy and inattention. Businesses, civic leaders, and convention and conference organizers pay him thousands of dollars to articulate his proven methodology for growth, innovation, and success, and yet this class of sixth graders shows not the slightest interest in anything he says. They throw paper airplanes, they loudly crinkle Doritos bags, they randomly burst into song. Mickey Pisano asked the class, So, kids, what is the number one key to professional success? And a student in the front row makes a fart noise. Mickey Pisano loses it. Okay, kids, says Mickey Pisano. You think you're hot, huh? Hot, hot. Look at me, I'm hot. Let me tell you something about hot. I drive a Ferrari F430. I vacation in exclusive private islands. I own homes on both coasts. In one home, I employ a Stanford graduate to water my cactus. In the other home, I employ a Harvard graduate to buy me toothpaste, shaving cream, and extra socks. When I fly, I fly triple platinum. Free foot massages, all-I-can-eat lobster. Flight attendants have to undo the top three buttons on their uniform if I ask them to. And you want to know something? Triple platinum doesn't even exist. I just made it up. A buddy of mine made me this real official-looking card. Doesn't exist. 
doesn't matter. Flight attendant tries to tell me there's no such thing as triple platinum, I set her straight. What does she know? Nothing. Dumb broad slept through all her employee training videos, same as everyone does. I don't. I don't sleep. Ever. I f power nap. And even when I'm power napping, I'm getting done. Train myself to sign checks while I power nap. Do cardio while I power nap. Authorize credit card payments and check my spam folder for legitimate emails. I am a machine. This watch costs more than your mommy's piece of car. My car costs more than your mommy's piece of house. You want to know the median income in the neighborhood where you little punks go to school? I looked it up. $14,000. I blow $14,000 in one night at a strip club. I eat spicy Thai food and I $14,000. You understand? If I so choose, I can own you. So that's who I am. Hot Who's the hot now? Huh? Who's the hot now? The students are silent. Mickey Pisano's face is bright red. Ms. Whitlock whispers into his ear, asks him if maybe they can step outside and talk about what happened last weekend in the back of the taxi cab. No, goddammit! roars Mickey Pisano. Quit smothering me! I need my space! Mickey Pisano storms out of room 106, and the class erupts in laughter. There's an I'm gay sign taped to the back of Mickey's Dolce & Gabbana suit. Everything is fine, their captain assures Ms. White in the main office. There is no reason for concern. Everything is under control. That being said, all of the school's classroom doors should be locked immediately, and all students and staff should stay low to the ground, away from any windows. Ms. White, calm and composed as always, tries to announce a school-wide code blue on the intercom, but the intercom emits only a high-pitched shrieking. Sorry, I guess the intercom's busted, says Ms. White, shaking her head to the police captain. Also, the lights on the second and third floors are out. Also, the sinks and all the bathrooms are overflowing and the toilets are bubbling and frothing. Frothing? says the police captain. And bubbling, says Ms. White. Haven't seen them firsthand. Been a bit busy here in the office this morning. But that's how they were described to me. Bubbling and frothing. Meanwhile, the career day speakers, not yet alerted about the school lockdown by the approaching police, continue their presentations. In the cafeteria, Crazy Donnie lauds the superior handling and roomy interior of the 2011 Chevy Equinox. In room 104, Tony Franco demonstrates to Ms. Rojas's class how to punch up the screenplay for a sci-fi western erotic thriller. In room 202, Moose Brickley challenges students to name a thing he hasn't yet put in his mouth. A palmetto bug, says a student. I have put a palmetto bug in my mouth, says Moose Prickly. A Nintendo DS, says another student. I have put a Nintendo DS in my mouth as well. Your mama, says the class clown, and everyone laughs. My mother is unfortunately no longer with us, says Moose Prickly, choking up. But I have plans to put a miniature wax replica of my mother in my mouth by early 2012. In room 304, no one is laughing. Bill Hitchcock, who has requested that the blinds be closed so that the room is shrouded in darkness, tells students what jobs, within the next decade, will be performed entirely by robots in Chinese. Mail delivery? Robots, says Bill Hitchcock. Technical support? Chinese. Landscaping? Robots. Law enforcement? Robots. Medical billing, robots. 
What about starting forward for the Miami Heat? Asks an eighth grader. Robots, says Bill Hitchcock. What about music producer for Young Jeezy? Asks another eighth grader. Young Jeezy, says Bill Hitchcock. Within the next decade, there will be no Young Jeezy. Why? Says the student. Fools, says Bill Hitchcock. There is so much you do not yet understand about the Chinese. The police arrive in the classrooms. They order the teachers to lock the doors, order the students to stay away from windows, assure everyone there is no reason to panic, then disappear, the sound of their footsteps receding down the hallway. Some students cry, some teachers cry. Mrs. Del Rio thinks, every June, I tell myself, there is no way in hell I'm coming back to this godforsaken school. So why, God, why? Every August, do I always come back? In the main office, the police captain orders Ms. White, Miss Yenny, Mrs. Stephanie, and the parent waiting to speak with the principal into the registrar's office, which is windowless. Ms. White asks the police captain if he can give her any more information concerning what is obviously some sort of emergency situation, and he says no, and shuts the registrar's door in her face. On one side of the small office, there are rows of metal cabinets housing all enrolled students' files, and on the other side, there is a desk with a computer. Ms. White asks the registrar if she can borrow her computer to see if she can find out anything on the internet. The registrar says, sure. The computer says, no internet connection. Oh yeah, forgot, internet's down, says the registrar, but there's solitaire. And Minesweeper? Ms. White laughs. Then she starts to cry. Then she becomes silent. Then she pounds the door and screams, you, Grover Cleveland, over and over, as loud as she can. the police round up any stragglers and corral them into safe locations. They send students into any still unlocked rooms. They send Mr. Ben into the custodial closet. They find Mickey Pisano kicking a first floor drinking fountain, ranting about the on-road performance of his Ferrari. And after he fails to comply with their orders, they taser him and wrestle him to the ground. In the custodial closet, Mr. Ben trips over the supine body of Lucky Galvez. Hey man, says Lucky Galvez, who had fallen asleep. Like, watch it. Watch it, says Mr. Ben. This is the custodial closet. I'm the custodian. This is my closet. All right, whatever, it's cool, says Lucky Galvez. Hey, since you're here, you want to hear a presentation about a career in food service? In the classrooms, the students, teachers, and speakers huddle on the floor. In some classrooms, there is screaming and crying. In others, there is eerie silence. In others, there is laughter and hip-hop. In room 302, there is a presentation about a career in tax accounting. So here's the thing, kids says Doug the Magnificent, lying on the floor along with the rest of Ms. Shepard's class. For the most part, having a career sucks. Take tax accounting, for example. It's boring. It's stressful. It wears you down. That alarm clock rings in the morning and you know you have to go to work and you find yourself involuntarily shouting out, no, God, no. But the thing is, a career is not your life. There's more to life than a 9 to 5, than staring at a computer screen, than commuting in horrendous traffic, than earning a bi-monthly paycheck. There has to be. And that's what's important in this life. To find that something else. To find whatever it is that makes life worth living. To find that magic. Doug the Magnificent then waves his hands, and a white dove flies out of his sleeve. 
the students clap, cheer, ooh and ah. The dove, seeking the outdoors, flies into a window, falls to the floor, flies into the window again. A few students try to move toward the dove to help it, keep it from further injuring itself, but Ms. Shepard orders the students to remain motionless on the floor. The students comply. As sirens sound of the distance, and gunshots, and what sounds like the hooting of baboons, the students, Ms. Shepard, and Doug the Magnificent, watch, helplessly, as the dove crashes into the window, falls to the floor, and crashes into the window, again, and again, and again, and again. Um. and a wonderful day at school. The bus schedule changes for the afternoon are as follows. Bus 14 will be arriving early at 2.42 instead of 2.47. Bus 76 is now bus 17, and bus 64 is canceled indefinitely. If you have any questions, please come to the office and talk to Miss Ortega. We'd like to thank our Career Day presenters. They showed us that the road to success is paved with determination, hard work, and sacrifice. I hope that you can all bring that can-do spirit to the FCAT testing next week. <laughs> You wildcats are the smartest, most thinking wildcats out there, so keep that can-do attitude going through the weekend. Oh, and one more announcement. Learning Club is canceled today. Have a great weekend, everybody. Bye-bye.